Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 312 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by the main man himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, especially during a big fight week, which this one, of course, is. But before we get into that, um, obviously, I'm talking about the preview in the Fury Wilder 3. Um, we will, of course, start with the review part of the show. We're going to discuss the fights that took place last weekend. We're going to start here at the Allianz Cloud in Milan, Italy. Over here, as I said, top Italian prospect Daniele Scardina, now 20-0. and 0. Um, His opponent, Jürgen Doberstein, actually retired on his store at the end of round four. Um, Doberstein now 26-5 and 5 with a draw. That one was for the WBO Intercontinental Super Middleweight title. He looks quite a good fighter, Scardina. Um, elsewhere in the card, we had Francesco Patera knock out in three rounds. Devis Boschiero, who's now 49 and 7 with two draws. Um, he's always had a very, very, very padded record, uh, Boschiero. So I'm not I'm not really surprised by that one there. I think Patera, for me, would have always been the favorite in that fight. But I'm not sure I expected... The, the the third round KO, that's quite early. Um, Patera, like I say, now 25-3. and three. That one was for the vacant WBO Intercontinental lightweight title. Um, on the undercard, Sandy Ryan picked up her second professional win, a KO in round four against Alexandra Vujovic. Uh, moving out now to the Glendale Civic Center in Glendale, Arizona, USA. This one was on the Friday, October 1st, last Friday. Um... Raimundo Beltran topped the bill, 37-9 with a draw now, a retirement win after his opponent Edgar Ramirez retired after six rounds of a scheduled eight-rounder. Um, Ramirez now 18-19 with a draw. Uh, moving out now to Mexico at the Verite Social Venue. Um, over here, Miguel Vasquez, former world champion, now 44-10, and 10, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Oliver Flores, who's now 30-4 and four with two draws. That one was for the vacant WBA Federlatine lightweight title. Um, moving out now to the Oldham Leisure Center. Just really one fight to mention over here that really surprised me when I saw it, actually. Ryan Doyle, 18-4 and four with a draw. I remember him, um, I think, knocking out, if I'm not mistaken, um, Reese Bellotti. I'm sure he knocked Reese Bellotti out. And, you know, he was a Commonwealth champion. So, yeah, um, just want to make sure I'm right on that one. Um, yeah, he knocked Reese Bellotti out, become Commonwealth champion, lost it to Jordan Gill, Fort Lee Wood, uh, got got stopped by him. But anyways, he got in there with journeyman Lee Connolly, who's six, uh, sorry, seven and sixty-one with five draws, and it ended in a points 
draw after four rounds there. So very, very surprising. Um, yeah, that seems like... I mean, judging that, I didn't see the fight, but it seems like he's completely done now, Ryan Doyle. Um, anyway, I just thought I'd throw that one in there. It went under the radar. Uh, moving out now to the Wembley Arena in Wembley, London. Obviously, it was supposed to be a card topped by uh, Chris Eubank Jr. I think he had a couple of opponents um, pull out and a last-minute replacement, and then his replacement opponent didn't uh, pass the medical, so he was ruled unfit by the British Boxing Board of Control, so the fight fell through on the day of the fight. Um, in the end, the card did go ahead, but of course, without Eubank on it, it kind of took a little bit of flavour away. Um, let's let's talk about that card, though. Um, Harvey Horn with a win. He's 9-0, a points win over 6 against Adam Yehaya, who's now 27... Sorry, I'm reading this wrong. 21-7 and seven with two draws. Um, Joe Pickford, I cannot believe they didn't televise it on Sky. He's now 18-0 with 17 KOs. A KO in round 5 against Isaac Aryi, um, who was down twice. Um, criminal that that one wasn't on TV. You know, probably the most exciting fighter on the card. Um, arguable. But anyways, um, Richard Riakpour returned to the ring after almost two years out with a... Uh, points win over eight against Christoph Twardowski, who's now nine and three. Richard Riakpour, 12 and 0. Seemed to be feeling the pace around about the mid rounds. I mean, I guess it must have been something to do with the layoff, but yeah, it didn't seem like his old self. Um, Twardowski down in the eighth round. Um, obviously, Richard Riakpour now with a new trainer. I don't think he's training any anymore with uh, Mark Tibbs. Uh, Lionel Udofia as well with a win. He's 17-0, and 0, a TKO in round three against Zulio Vrenosi, who is now 17-4. and 4. He was down in the third round. Um, Mikel Luau as well, 14-0, and 0, a TKO in round three against Benoit Huber, who I think was a last-minute um, kind of replacement. I'm sure he was supposed to be taking on... Um, oh, I forgot the guy's name. Baldhead from Ireland. Uh, Stephen Ward, I think it was, the guy that got banged out by Ricards Bolotniks in a round. I don't know if it was Stephen Ward. I've completely forgotten the guy's name, but anyway, whatever. Um, Jermaine Brown as well with a win. He's now 10-0, and a points win over 10 against Jamal Ledeau, who's now 8-2. and and the the escalated main event, which was supposed to be the chief support, but obviously it got elevated. Uh, David Avenesia now twenty eight and three with a draw. Friend of the show, very pleased for him. He was able to defend successfully his EBU European welterweight title against Liam Taylor. It was a step too far in his case. He's now twenty three and two with a draw. Like I say, knocked out in round two, down in the first round as well. Completely, completely overmatched and outclassed. Um, it's a shame, really, because I gave Taylor a chance. I think I think he's a decent boxer. He came with interesting tactics to try and, you know, meet Avanesian in the middle of the ring, which was very brave. But the, you know, the the the, the clear disparity in levels makes me think: where is the ceiling for Liam Taylor? I'm starting to think, you know, is he gonna never be able to push past domestic level? I'm not sure because that is the next step up, European, and to get banged out in two rounds that was very impressive. Um, so yeah, that one was that one, and that is it for the review part of the show. I've flown through that as quick as I could. The final thing for me to do just before we wrap up part one is to welcome our special guest on this week's podcast. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA super middleweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Callum Smith. Callum, welcome back on the show, my man. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's great to have you back on. So, Callum, we last spoke uh, back in 2018. It's been a while. At the time, you were fresh off your win over George Groves. But, of, co- of course, let's jump to, to the present. You're fresh off this devastating win over Lenin Castillo on the Joshua Usyk undercard. Talk me through the fight, Callum, and that perfect right hand to finish it. Yeah, it was it was a it was a good good platform. It was a good 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 venue, good good show to be a part of and I knew and then I said need a big performance. I need to get back to winning ways, but a, a performance kind of would leave people speaking about me, you know, in the days following it rather than just oh Callum Smith's back, he got a oh, a pretty boring win, so to speak. So as much as I didn't go out there for the knockout I knew Castillo was Jordan, but he, he'd never been stopped. He'd been to points with Bivol and Marcus Brown, who are both really, really good fighters. So and I knew he was no pushover, but I felt really good in the build-up. I had a really good camp. I felt, I felt, I felt strong at one seven five, and you no, know, I'm glad that I showed that I have carried my power up. I think there was a lot of question marks over me in the build-up to this fight in, in terms of how I, how I would be at one seven five, whether be able to carry my power and size up how I'd be coming off the loss with the new trainer and just in terms of just motivational, you no know, people question how much I still still wanted wanted to to achieve, you no know, the goals that I want to achieve. So it was good to just check a few of them boxes and show that you no know, I am a, a big one seven five and I have carried my weight up from one six me power up from one six eight, sorry. And have you ever knocked anyone out like that? I mean, the guy was obviously twitching on the floor. It was worrying for everyone initially, including yourself. Yeah. Um, no, obviously the Blacklands knockout was was a pretty bad one, but oh, yeah. you know, once he kind of hit the floor, he, he sort of come around and was up and responsive, so to speak. Where the Castillo one, he, he was unresponsive for, for quite a while, which was it was scary as fighters as much as you you throw punches and you're trying to knock your, your opponent out and get the win. You don't want to do any any serious harm, so to speak. And when when that happens, and every now and again there is a a bad injury in boxing and I just fear the way so to speak it's a sport at the end of the day it's never been anything more than that for me it's just I, I want to win and I want to prove I'm, I'm the better fighter I don't, I don't want to inflict any serious damage so yeah it was scary but no thankfully he was okay he he recovered and no, he messaged me himself on Instagram the next morning so it, it, it was all good in the end but yeah it wasn't a nice no, 10 20 minutes in the ring yeah, I can imagine. And um, you mentioned, obviously, you're up at 175. I want to just share a real quick funny story with the listeners. The first time I ever met you, Callum, you probably won't remember, it was at the uh, the press conference for your brother, uh, Liam, when he boxed uh, Canelo in London. And I remember oh, okay. at the time, you kind of used me as a human shield while you shoved the cake in your mouth. You was at 168. You said, you said Joe's not yeah. looking, is he? And shoved the muffin in your mouth. And um, obviously, yeah. you're up at 175. I'm sure you can eat a cake or two now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit more comfortable. But no, listen, 168, I, I was... Tula was, was questioning it for a long time. Oh, he'll be at 175 soon. And this was like back in 2013, 2014. And... I was always doing it correct and I was doing it right and I was, I was performing very well at it and you know what I say, I've reached the Commonwealth champion and one of the divisions so I was obviously doing it right and then I think towards the end it was getting I was mature and I was getting a lot bigger and it was just that I think the last couple again no excuses for, for the loss but 
it was just starting to affect my performance in the ring. And I always said the minute that was happening, I decided to move up. And I always wanted to try and be two eight world champion anyway. Just I didn't know when the move would be, and no, it's it's come at this time now. And I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for you know, what what lies ahead. It's, it's a very good division. There's a lot of really good fighters, but it's a division that I feel I can become a world champion in. And we simply have to get the measuring stick out. Obviously, you mentioned your first fight at the weight. You box Castillo, who, as you said, had gone the distance with Marcus Brown and Dimitri Bivol, two top-level, fully-fledged 175-pounders. For you to do that to Castillo in just two rounds is undeniably impressive. Uh, was that the kind of statement you wanted to make coming off, as you mentioned, that sole career loss to Canelo, to let people know you're still a top fighter, you've still got the hunger? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, the main main goal was obviously just to get the win. But you want people to sit up and take notice and you know, a win over Castillo doesn't really get people's attention, but a win in that fashion probably does. You know, I got a lot of good publicity after the fight and a lot of a lot of people who ripped me off after the Canelo fight and I was saying, Oh, we didn't really like candidly forgot what I could do and what I was capable of and too many people judge you off your off your last performance and I think boxing it's bad for that, so to speak. Like I've had a good performance now, and people are you know, banging their drum about me. And next fight, I'll throw in the perform the same people that be the first to criticise me. You, you kind of boxing the sport where you're only as good as your last fight for, for some for some fans. And it was good to just kind of get back to winning ways, but in a, in a in a way that people will sit up and take notice, and you know people will now probably give me a chance against some of the champions where I think before last weekend the minute you mentioned me at 175 a lot of people didn't really give me much of a chance he just kind of wrote me off and oh I don't think he'll do anything up at 175 but no I've had a lot of good kind of plays after last weekend and myself personally I always believed I was good enough to do it up at this weight division and I'm excited for, for the next whatever fight it may be and it could be a good journey I enjoyed me, me journey at 168 and I'm looking forward to the one at 175 I'm looking forward to it too. Um, you're training now with Buddy McGurk. How did that come about and what does this mean in terms of living situations? Do you only travel out there for camps? Would would Buddy be coming here? What's the situation? Yeah, the last the last camp I kind of, well, to start off, I, I, I knew of him. He trained me brother back in I think, 2007 or something. So I, I knew of him and as a boxing fan, I know I know of him as a fighter and as a coach. He is, you know, he's got very good achievements in, in both departments and I, when he was over with Chisora, he come down to Liverpool for the weekend to, to meet up with my brother. Obviously, they've got a, good, a decent relationship and I've done a bit of pad work with him and I really liked what what he was kind of teaching me and I went over to LA for, I think it was five and a half weeks, just under six weeks and done the first bit, bit of my camp over there and then Buddy come back for, for the last four. So it, it was kind of split and I think moving forward, I, I'd like to do the same. You know, some weeks over in LA, it just changes it up as much as home comfort are good. It's sometimes good to take yourself out of your comfort zone and go over to LA, which is you no know, a real, a real good boxing city. It's thriving over there. There's a lot of top fighters there, in and out different gyms and the sparring there is a lot different. And it was good to just get over there, get away from Liverpool, and be in a, a new environment where, you know, I didn't know anyone originally. So it was good to just mix in and. I felt I learned a lot in the weeks over there and then I finished my camp back in England with the fight and back in England I was, I was going to have to come over here anyway but Buddy come over for the last four weeks and he kind of just finished off off in England so it was good to get a mix of both and you know, I'd like to keep it similar moving forward so in the UK and, and some part of the camp over in LA. 
And this win over Castillo has got some people saying already that they think you're the best light heavyweight in the country. Uh, before you made the move up, some people would have been split between Buatzi, Bu- uh, between um, Lyndon Arthur. I personally felt Callum Johnson. How do you feel about being ranked number one already by a lot of people after just two rounds? Um, yeah, again, it's, it, it's, it's all fans and it's all opinions and certain people are love different opinions and a lot of people's opinions be based on their, their agenda of what fighters they like or may know but I, I believe in myself I believe I can be a world champion and I believe I can beat anyone in this weight division that includes you know, all the names you just mentioned They're all, you know, it's a very good division it's, it's a very good competitive division with a lot of good fighters who, who I do respect and you know, I rate a lot of them but you know, my personal opinion as a fighter I, I believe I beat them all I believe I can beat anyone in the world on on the given day and I can sit and say this as much as I want but you know, results speak for themselves and you know, I like to prove that over the next year or so and hopefully some of the fights can be made and say I think we're all in the same position we all want to be, be a world champion so hopefully one of us can go and do it and then you know, maybe we can get some of the fights made but it's a good division it's a good division to be a part of but a division that you know, I definitely feel I can, I can become the top and I want to get your reaction to U6 win over Joshua. Were you able to sit to sit ringside and watch it? Yeah, I did. Sat ringside. First and foremost, the atmosphere was was unbelievable. One of the best I've been at. I think Joshua's ring walk with the, the Rocky Fortune was great, wasn't it? To be fair, but in terms of the fight, I just I think it was a bit of both. Obviously, I've always been a big U6 fan. I knew how good he was. The only question mark was how how big he was and whether he could take it off at a genuine heavyweight, but. I don't really think we got to see that. I don't think Joshua kind of imposed the size and used it to his, his strength. He kind of tried to outbox him and beat Yusuf had his own game, which I believe was always going to be tough. It, it was a it was a good boxing match. There was a lot of skill involved, but I just think that Yusuf's game, and I think he did the best Yusuf how he'd like the fights that have gone before, and he'd have chose that way. He'd have wanted a boxing match where he could use his skills. I don't think he'd have liked the physical tough so fight against you know, a big genuine heavyweight like like Joshua who certainly can punch but look that's not a criticism of Joshua he was in there and it's always different when you're in there but I just I didn't see the fight playing out the way it did I thought early on it would but then I thought Joshua would start to use a size later on in the fight but you've got to give props to both props for Joshua for, for taking the fight the position he was in he didn't, he didn't really have to he his resume is great compared to most you know, some of the other heavyweights, and you've got to give props to Yusuf. He's a phenomenal fighter, and to do what he's done at cruiserweight and now a heavyweight, you've got to just take your ass off to him. And this is Team Smith brothers' uh, fight week again. Obviously, your brother Liam takes on Anthony Fowler. Uh, we know last time out Liam got stitched up in in Russia. We know he should have won that fight, but. How do you see this one playing out? Obviously, I know you're you're backing your brother to get the win, but yeah. perhaps it's been a while since he's seen a style like Anthony Fowler's with that kind of work rate. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's got the potential to, to be a good fight. Obviously, from a personal point of view, I believe you know, the best version of Liam beats him and beats him well, but you've always got to expect the best of your opponents and you know, Liam's trained to, for the best possible Anthony Fowler. And, on a day, the best possible Anthony Fowler is a good fighter. I don't think we've seen enough of it since he's turned professional, but I do believe he has improved since going to Shane McGregor. I do believe he's a better fighter now than what he was a couple of years ago. But So, look, Liam's got to be switched on. He's got to, I say, expect the best version of Anthony Fowler, but 
I just think as the fight goes on, Liam's experience and class will, will show. And I think, I do believe he gets the win and I believe he can look good doing it. But it, it's a good fight. Two lo- no local lads, a local daddy. There's a lot of stake. There's a lot of you know, bragging rights and sold out the arena that the crowd will be, will be a good atmosphere, which can play a part in, in, in certain tactics and how people perform on the night. So it, it should be good to go fight for the city, especially after the pandemic getting really in it filled out and something to look forward to so you know, from a neutral and from a, a Liverpool lad it, it's going to be a great, great for the city but obviously from a personal point of view uh, I'm, I'm back on the end. Yeah I cannot wait for that fight and this question I'm dying to ask you it has to be said obviously you're a former world champion the other 175s we've mentioned domestically haven't yet achieved the world title but there are so many interesting fights that obviously could be made like Boazzi like Craig Richards like Yard like uh, Lyndon Arthur, Callum Johnson. Do these, do these kind of fights interest you, Callum, or do you feel that respectfully you're a level above those guys right now and essentially it would be an unneeded step backwards? Um, a bit of both, to be honest with you. Again, well, said not to be disrespectful, but I do believe no, I've done what none of them could do. I've, I've won a world title, albeit at the weight below, but I think I've shown ability-wise I'm capable of, of being at the very highest level. And I think the last fight showed that Size-wise, I'm definitely not big enough and hit hard enough to do it at 175. But no, the fights still do interest me. That no, as you just spoke about with Liam, domestic fights or local no derbies, you do get that little bit more attention and a little bit more the juice involved, so to speak. So no, the, the fights do interest me at the minute. I want to be a world champion and I'm looking towards the world titles. And no, unless I win over one of them was to get me one or get me closer to it, then no, it has to make sense to me. But I do believe I'm ahead of them, but I do you know the fights do interest me regardless. So I don't know if my team was to say one of those would be next fight and it would put me one step closer to where I want to be, then no, of course it would make sense. So we'll have to just wait and see what, what the future holds. But no, it is a good division to be a part of and hopefully some of the fights can be made, whether it's me against one of them or two of the others against each other. It would be a shame if it didn't happen, so a division like it is. Hopefully we do get to see some of them fight each other. Now, I've mentioned his name a couple of times in this interview. I was waiting for you to perhaps maybe object to it, but former gym mate Callum Johnson, some people have posed the question that seeing as you're probably the, the two best 175s we have, would you get it on? Is that a fight that you wouldn't take because of knowing him so well? Um, preferably not, to be honest with you. I know I'm yeah. very close to Callum. I've known him a long time, and Look at if he was a fight for no world title, then no, it'd be considered. But I just think there's enough other people to fight without fighting each other. You no, know, yeah. I, I do class him as a friend that I've known him a long time, and ideally, I'd rather not, to be honest with you. But like I say you never know. But you've just named six other domestic fighters, so I'm sure we could fight one of the others rather than, than fight each other. You no, know, so ideally, yeah. I just look, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't like to fight them, but no, you never know in boxing. Absolutely. And uh, just coming down to the last couple of questions, I wanted to ask you if you've got anyone on your radar at the minute. I'm guessing you're probably looking to the top echelon kind of thing, the likes of Bivol and the likes of Joe Smith Jr. perhaps. Um, is there any other names that you would love to mix it with in the very near future, Callum? Uh, no, not necessarily. I, I've never really, even down at what it takes, never even want to, to call anyone out. I kind of just set my sights up at the champions and work my way towards them and beat whoever they ask you to get there. And, it's the same now, moving up a weight division. I want the, the three, three men who hold the belt, and they do. I want, I want to fight. I want to, I want to call myself a two-eight world champion, and I believe I can beat whoever I have to to get it. And 
I know I'm willing to beat whoever I have to 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 aim my shot. So I've always kind of just left that down to my team. I've never been one of these fighters who who sit and call people out, but no, I'm confident I can do it. And I believe over the next no, 12 months or so, I, I get my opportunity, and it's down to me to deliver. And a few are a few hours after your brother Liam fights, we move stateside. Fury Wilder three. You got to put your neck on the line here, Callum. Who wins? <laughs> yeah, I think. It depends what fight you need more into. The first one, no, I think Wilder obviously showed he's got the power to to end it at any point. He, he was so close to doing it. No, I think if the ref would have waved it off when Fury at the floor, I don't think there's been many complaints. To be honest with you, it looked like he was out, but he gave him the benefit of the doubt, and no, it, it worked out to to be beneficial. But the second fight was so one-sided, and it's hard to see mentally how how Wilder can come back for that. It wasn't just you no, know, uh, he caught him and got rid of him. He genuinely. No, just bullied him for for however long the fight lasted, and it's hard to to look past that. And I just think as long as Fury switched on and still respects Wilder's power because he, it's obviously still there, and he's got to be switched on and can't afford to be too complacent. I think if if the right Fury turns up, then there's no reason why he can't do exactly what he's done in the second fight. Yeah, we certainly hope so. I'm sure. And just finally, Callum, if you've got any closing words just before we wrap it up to the listeners, say whatever you like before we wrap it up, my friend. Uh, no, just thanks for the support. I've always had great support, and just keep keep watching. And hopefully, I can I can deliver a world title pretty soon. So stay tuned. But yeah, just thanks to all, all, all my supporters. They've always been great to me, and and uh, I'm grateful for it. Well said. Listen, Callum, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Thanks for your time. Congrats again on the win, and I hope we can speak again real soon. Uh, thank you, mate. Speak soon. Take it easy. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with the fact that Archie Sharp is headlining a fight night at York Hall. It's actually promoted by um, MTK. It's not. It's actually not a Frank Warren, a Frank Warren card, which I was quite surprised by. But anyway, Archie Sharp tops the bill. You've got a few, di- a few different guys on there. You've got um, Jordan Reynolds, Sam Gilly. You've got. Um, a bunch of prospects, really. I think the tickets start at about £40. I think the best ticket in the house is about £100. So should be a good night there at York Hall. I haven't been in a while. I might have to get myself over there. Um, November the 5th, Michaela Meyer takes on Maeve Hamadouche. That one, of course, for the... Uh, for, for the unification for the junior lightweight titles at the Virgin Hotels Las Vegas live on ESPN Plus. Um, really happy for Michaela Mayer. We had her on the show a couple months back now. Um, a big fan of hers and very happy to see her back active. Obviously, she's um, you know wanted that Hamadouche fight for a long time. So I'm really pleased for her and hopefully the winner. I think will be Mayer, and I'd like to see her try and, you know, fight Terry Harper. That's the fight I want to see. Um, elsewhere, we have the fact that Demetrius Andrade is defending his WBO middleweight world title against Jason Quigley. That one's set to take place um, November the 19th in New Hampshire. That's a Friday, November the 19th. It's going to be on the zone, of course. Um, and that is about it for the news. So moving on now to the preview part of the show. All of these fights, by the way, take place on Saturday. We've got one in Germany. We've got two in the UK. And, of course, one big one in the States. Let's start in Germany for the 
IBO World Light Heavyweight title, Robin Krasniki, 51-6 and in a 12-rounder against Dominic Bozell, 31-2. and That one's at the G-Tech Arena in Magdeburg. Um, nothing really to mention on the undercard. Moving out now to the Echo Arena, Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. On this card here, we see the pro debut for 2020... I don't know if we call them 2020 or 2021 Olympians now, but... Uh, Peter McGraw making his debut. No opponent just yet for him. Apparently on the card as well is Natasha Jonas, 9-2 and two with a draw. No opponent yet for her. We've got Rhiannon Dixon, 3-0, and o, taking on Anna, Anna L. Anna L. Angerville. She seems quite angry. 1-1-1, one, one one, her record. Um, we've got Solomon Dakers in a real step up. He's only 2-0. and oh. He takes on Kamil Sokolowski, the toughest man in Poland. 10-22 and 22 with two draws. They've given Sokolowski a hell of a lot of notice as well. I tell you, that is dangerous, man. I'm a big fan of that risk there. Boy, oh boy, I've seen him knock out a few prospects, Sokolowski. We've got Luke Willis, 10-0, and oh, a prospect, taking on Ryland Charlton, the pint-sized powerhouse, 6 and one with a draw. That's over 10 rounds there. We've got Shannon Courtney returning to the ring finally. Um, I believe that's her first fight since the fight with Ebony Bridges, I want to say. And Ebony Bridges has had two fights in that time, both in the UK. So she's back here, Shannon Courtney, 7-1 in a 10-2 minute round contest against Jamie Mitchell. That one, of course, for Courtney's WBA female bantamweight world title. We've got Kieran Conway, 16-2 with a draw against James Metcalf, 21-1. I believe both men um, have fought... Uh, Ted Cheeseman, so that should be a really good fight there, because I think both of their fights with Ted Cheeseman were really good fights, so that that has got war written all over it there, and also, speaking of the man, Ted Cheeseman is on the card, 17-2 and two with a draw, in a 12-rounder against Troy Williamson, a man from the Frank Warren stable, so it is Frank Warren versus Eddie Hearn here, Williamson undefeated 16-0 and 0 with a draw, that one's for the British Super Welterweight title, um, it, it's quite a big card featuring um, a lot of 154 fighters, to be honest with you. Obviously, I said there, Cheeseman, Conway, Metcalf, Williamson, um, and the main event. I'm not sure if both guys have, uh, you know, have got business at 154 or are they up at 160. I've forgotten. But um, Liam Smith, the, the the main event, 29 and three with a draw, takes on Anthony Fowler, 15 and one. Anthony Fowler, friend of the show. However, we just spoke to Callum Smith, so um, not sure who I want to win that one. There, wouldn't want to annoy Callum Smith. Um, it's going to be a great fight. Liam Smith, uh, you know, very, very tough. You you think about it. The two losses in his career, well, he's got three. One of them was the last fight against Kurbanov. He got stitched up in Russia, if you watch the fight. The other two losses, Mungia and Canelo, no shame in those losses there. He is a very, 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 very tough guy. However, you'd say he's probably towards the end of his career, whereas Anthony Fowler, um, you know, Still on the way up, I think, as a professional. Very, very good amateur, we we sometimes forget. And Anthony Fowler's got that work rate, like I said to Callum Smith a few moments ago. He's got that work rate, and it could be something new or something, um, I guess... Um, 
not new for, for Liam Smith, but something that he's not used to all the time. You know, I think it's going to be a great, great fight. But look out for those body shots, Mr. Liam. Um, sorry, not Liam Smith, Anthony Fowler. Look out for those body shots because we know that the Smith brothers love to hit to the body. Um, very, very, very excited for that one. Huge fight there for Liverpool. But I think if I had to put my neck on the line, I think... Liam Smith might pinch it, maybe points, but it's going to be a good fight. Um, really looking forward to that card. And another card that unfortunately clashes with this one. It's going to be at the Arena Birmingham in West Midlands. That card I mentioned a moment ago, by the way, the Liam Smith Fowler card, obviously on the zone. This one is on BT Sport, though. Um, starting with the undercard, we have... Callum Johnson, friend of the show, 19-1 in a 10-rounder against Serva Emuleev, who is 24-2. He got knocked out in one of those two losses. This one's for the WBO Global Light Heavyweight title. You've got Liam Davies. I think he last boxed at this venue. I'm pretty sure I was there. He knocked out... Um, an African fighter. He's 10-0 in a 10-rounder against Dixon Flores. 17-7 with three draws. That one's for the vacant WBC International Silver Super Bantamweight title. I'm expecting Liam Davies to probably get a stoppage there. Dixon Flores. Not sure how old he is, but I feel like he's been around for a long time. I want to say he's probably quite old, especially for a Bantamweight. And I'm sure he was down at about flyweight at one point. Could be wrong. Um, Echo Essiman as well on the card. Great fight between two undefeated fighters here. Echo Essiman 15-0 in a 12-rounder against Danny Ball. 10-0 with a draw. Danny Ball coming off that win last time out against Sam Gilly, friend of the show. Uh, that one is for the British and Commonwealth welterweight titles over 12 rounds. Going to be a great fight. I've noticed that if you put a bet on that fight going the distance, you get more than even money. So I I'm really surprised to see that. That could be a bet to jump on. Um, and the main event, Brad Foster, 14-0 with two draws, takes on Jason Cunningham, 29-6 there for the Commonwealth, British and European Super Bantamweight titles. It's a brilliant, brilliant fight. Brad Foster, I remember at one point seeing him fight Lucian Reed. I think they had two fights and he come off... Um, I think I think they had two fights. I think he had a draw in one of them and a win in the other, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, still undefeated. Very, very good prospect. Jason Cunningham, who I felt was completely done, was obviously able to beat uh, Gamal Yafai and look really good doing it. So that kind of makes you think, hey, he's not done. He's got something left and he's... You know, he's a deserved European champion. And if he can capitalize on that win over Yafai here, this is mega. You know, he, he could be one of those guys like a Maxi Hughes that, you know, massively goes under the radar but deserves huge plaudits. And, yeah, it's going to be a great fight once again. I mean, Brad Foster, not, not a massive puncher. I expect this fight to go the distance. And Brad Foster's going to be tested here. This is going to be such a brilliant fight. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be flicking between DAZN and BT, that's for sure. And going out to Vegas now at the T-Mobile Arena. It is a big one in Nevada, USA. Going to come to you in a sec, Eddie. But I'm going to fly through this undercard. Um... Yeah, it's going to be on Fox pay-per-view, of course, and BT Sport pay-per-view over here. On the undercard, friend of the show, the real big baby Jared Anderson, 9-0 in an eight-rounder against Vladimir... Uh, Vladimir Tereshkin, who's 22-0 with a draw. We've got Rancis Bartholomew, 28-1 with a draw. No opponent just yet, according to 
my uh, my source, 10 rounds, but no opponent just yet. We've got the return to the ring for Julian J. Rock Williams, 27-2 and two with a draw. His first fight back after getting knocked out by Banana in Philly. Um, he takes on Vladimir Hernandez, 12-4. and four. I think he's a bit better than his record suggests, though. We've got Edgar Belanga, 17-0. He had 16 first-round knockouts in a row. Then he went the distance last time out and proved he is actually human. He takes on Marcelo Esteban Coceres, I believe, from Argentina, 30-2 with a draw. It's another step up, really, for Belanga. It's for the vacant WBO-NABO super middleweight title. Will he get a knockout, Belanga? I think probably so. Um, we've got Rabisi Ramirez, 7 and one against Orlando Gonzalez Ruiz, who's 17 and oh, that's another step up for Ramirez. I think Ruiz, I believe, was a good amateur. That's over 10 rounds there. We've got a brilliant, brilliant fight between the two undefeated heavyweights, Efia Jagba of Nigeria, 15 and oh. It's for the WBC Continental America's heavyweight title and the WBO and ABO heavyweight title. He takes on the Cuban Frank Sanchez, who I believe is about 28 on paper, but if you look at him, you can see he's at least 48. He's 18 and 0. Um, that's over 10 rounds. You've got the rematch between Robert Hellenius, 30 and 3, and Adam Kalnaki, 20 and 1. Probably my personal biggest upset of 2020. The rematch takes place over 12 rounds. Do not blink. That's going to be so exciting. And then to cap it all off, the trilogy fight. The main event, Tyson Fury, 30 and 0, with that questionable draw. And he takes on Deontay Wilder, 42-1 with a draw for the WBC heavyweight world title. Um, there's a few fights you might want to give your take on there, Eddie, but just I'm just going to hand it over to you. Let, let me know what you think. I mean, it's 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 a brilliant card. I think I'm going to have to yeah. put my hand in my pocket and pay for this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, actually, I don't have any of those set. Wait, this, what is this on, by the way? This one's on Fox pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying I'm having to go ahead and do that <laughs> because this is an excellent card. I can't miss card. I mean, F.A. talked about Frank, Frank, Frank Sanchez. I was like, what? I was like, wow. I thinking, well, I'm surprised that they're putting it on the line so early because you know how it is in boxing. And most, you know, most people want to hold on to that O as long as they possibly can. So to see with these two guys going in with a possibility of losing is just it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of nice to see you know boxing is you know i feel like even with you know all of the sideshow things that are going on i think boxing is kind of moving up a little bit i think it's more on you know the front page a little bit more than it has been some in, in recent years so it is looking good um that's a fight i'm really looking forward to but also the rematch i didn't know that fight was on there i didn't know that uh uh Kalnaki and Hellenius, yeah Kalnaki, there you go i didn't want to say but i always say his name is, I call him Babyface, because that's the name. <laughs> I call him Babyface. But um, that is something I'm looking forward to, because I really want to see if Eleni is, because, I mean, it looked like Kalnaki was going to do what he normally does, overwhelms guys, throws a lot of punches, difficult work, you know what I mean? And, and, and thought he was just going to take him, you know, end up taking him to the, to the cleaners, to be honest. Turned out, <laughs> he got caught with that shot. And it kind of evened things up, and he ended up getting him out of there. So I just want to say if it was just fluke, obviously, you know, conventional wisdom will say that that's probably what it was. Even though Lanius has been a high-level guy, kind of, uh, at least highly touted. So we're kind of, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that and seeing where it's going. 
and obviously, you know, the main event. The main event is, uh, I mean, look, there's a little bit of like a headline with, oh, it, is Wilder better because of the trainer? And I love Malik. That's my man. Uh, but I just don't know that you can change someone at the age he is with the amount of skill he has and having the success that he's had with that amount of skill and think that you're going to just up everything. Now, granted, he's had a, a serious setback with the loss with his last you know, fight with Tyson losing. But at the end of the day, when times get tough, especially in the ring, you're going to be who you are. And I think at the end of the day, I don't. I just don't think Deontay is going to be able to add enough to his game in one camp to completely change who he is. You understand what I'm saying? And I think Tyson is just really on another level uh, when when it comes to boxing skills. And I think that's going to be the difference. Every everybody, but we all know it only takes one for a guy like Wilder. So uh, as long as Tyson stays. In, in you know in control and doesn't get too excited and too overconfident he walks to a victory to be honest yeah it's a brilliant it's a brilliant fight card um you obviously mentioned the two undefeated heavyweights a jagbar and sanchez it is early and also like i say the other undefeated heavyweights jared anderson and vladimir tereshkin 9 and 0 and 22 and 0 obviously jared anderson a, a, a sparring partner of tyson fury 9 and 0 9 KOs um, a few of them came in the in the bubble um it's just a brilliant card. It's star-studded. Um, you know, Hellenius and Kaunaki, I don't think that goes a distance. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I just don't see that going the distance. I mean, it's it's the very first fight back as well for Kaunaki. You know, it's an instant rematch, even though it feels like it's been, I think, over a year. Um, yeah. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. Yeah, I've got to say it, Eddie, and I said it to you before we started recording the show. I'm just a little bit nervous about the fact that Malik has, you know, Malik Scott, for those that, that don't know who I'm talking about, has gone into the camp of of, um, of of Deontay Wilder. They've got rid of a few guys, and Malik seems to be uploading these videos where, I've got to say it, um, Deontay Wilder looks kind of fluid in, in the pad work and stuff. I know it's only pad work, but I'm seeing it, and I'm thinking, hang on a minute, he's not throwing punches like Deontay Wilder. He looks quite uh, well-rounded on those pads, and that is just giving me a little bit of nerves to be honest obviously i want fury to win just like you do um i remember the first fight they had i was certain of it that deontay wilder would knock fury out i was certain obviously it went the distance no one saw that you know saw that come in and it ended in a draw no one saw that come in the second fight i was very 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 confident that fury's gonna win and he did and then this third fight here is weird, but I'm more nervous about it than I am the second fight because I just don't understand how that makes sense. The first fight ends in a draw, you know, but I took confidence from the fact that Fury wasn't really in the best shape, um, probably not mentally as well, especially not physically. But um, he, he steamrolled him in that second fight. Like, he completely steamrolled him. It was, like, so one-sided, so dominant, and it looked like a baby against a gorilla or something in there. Um, and, and and this second fight, uh, sorry, the third fight, for some reason, even after seeing him completely run him over in that second fight, I'm just a little bit nervous. I think it's something to do with Malik Scott. I don't know. But um, it's just high stakes. It's high stakes. And obviously, Eddie, we were supposed to see 
and th this is something I just want to bring up before before you can come in a sec. Um, we were supposed to see Fury and Joshua get it on, and I remember what? Steve Bunt saying to say, not just saying to me, but I went to an event he was at, and he and he, you know, someone asked him a question. What do you think about Joshua F Fury when they get it on? And at this point, they both accepted fights with other people. Joshua was going to fight Usyk and um, Wilder, Wilder and Fury were going to fight for the third time. And Steve Bunt said one of them, at least one of them is going to lose. And obviously we've seen that happen with, with Joshua. He lost. And it just makes you think, I, I don't want to make any excuses for Anthony Joshua, but was maybe a little bit of his attention on getting past Usyk for the Fury fight, for that huge all-British fight. And I don't want, if that was the case, I don't want Tyson Fury to have one eye on the Joshua fight, even though Joshua lost against Usyk, but it's still, it's still potentially Tyson Fury's next next fight. It's the biggest fight for him. Yeah. So um, does he have one eye on that? I know he's a very focused guy. You know him much better than I do. You lived with him. Um, what's your thoughts on that? On that take? Honestly, man, you know, <laughs> Tyson has a bigger than life personality. He's a big, bigger than life guy, as it is. Um, so he he likes to, you know, it's kind of like Floyd Mayweather will make you think, man, I don't train. I just come out there and fight, man. I don't prepare. I don't look at video. I don't do this. I don't do that. He just want to kind of throw you off of what his real main focus is because he don't want anybody knowing what's going on honestly, behind closed doors. And, you, and, and to be honest, you shouldn't be leaking that much information out unless you want people to know things. And I think that's in this situation, you know, to give you a little bit of, well, I'm thinking about the Joshua fight a little more than I should be when I got this tiger coming at me on uh, on Saturday. But the reality of it is I've been around him, man. As loose as he is and as happy and confident as he is, as he is I know somewhere deep down He's he's pacing like I got to get this done. Like he's focusing hard on this fight because you can't have that huge moment in front of you. You know what I mean? When we're talking about with Joshua when or you know when when that was the fight to put to to, to promote. Um, you can't have that kind of opportunity in front of you and not think about it. Not saying he's looking past. I don't want to say that, but you can't. But with him. I feel like he takes it one fight at a time. Like, I've watched him. I've been in camp with him. I've seen how he, he's pre prepared for, you know, multiple guys. Chisora, uh, too. I was there for it. Obviously, fights that don't matter, like Joey Abel and things like that, even though I like Joey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't on the level of what we're talking about now. Um, and trust me, now that was at Peter's camp when we were training there, and, and it was 100% of the time focused on what we were trying to get done. Um, but I still think that's part of his game. You know, he doesn't, he has kids, he has a family, doesn't want to take any chances on getting hurt. You know what I mean? This is uh, this is serious business. So I think he's going to be focused 100% on who he's facing in, in this fight. I think it's going to be, I think if he doesn't get overconfident, and I know you were saying, Joey, man, he looks good on the pads. And the, Listen, man, Joey, I can have you in the gym for a month. And I will have you looking good on the pads, straight up. And that doesn't say that 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 Wilder isn't better, technically in certain aspects. But I'm gonna tell you, I have a couple kids that I've been training for less than three, four months, and they all can look good on the pads, me holding the pads for them. So I don't want you to get, don't 
put too much into bag or pad work because you can have a guy that looks great in preparation on those pads and doing all these nice little moves and these tricks and and it's beautiful right but then he gets in there and as soon as the first punch is thrown all that goes out the window you know what i'm saying and and and, and it, it goes back to what i said about wilder and who wilder is and how he fights and what he does and what his best attribute is his best attribute is power and toughness right not his skill if he's gonna win he needs to try to stay away from that trying to be the skill guy in there because that's not gonna happen he would have to literally go back 10 years to this to, to work to that point he would have to literally go back that far just to get half as far as he needs to be skill wise as good and it's just not gonna it's just it's just a waste of his time and energy to just focus just on that his focus should be on how do i develop my jab and other other things to get my right hand off a little a little smoother you know what i mean a little bit straighter in, in certain aspects a little more uh a little smarter if that makes sense you know what i mean and <clears throat> rather than trying to figure out how to outbox this guy because that's not going to happen you understand what i'm saying and i'm and i'm i know i sound overconfident but it's it's not that i'm overconfident it's just that i see what's in front of me you know what i'm saying and like if i was in this corner if i was malik i'd be like look let's just figure out how to get that right hand to land you know what i'm saying because if we if we know if we land that right hand in any way two or three times around that's you know what i mean that's a chance right there to get you a get you a win because we ain't thinking about the decision we think in the six six to ten rounds at the most you know what i'm saying and not even ten rounds six to eight at the most that we expect to go if we're going to win if it goes anywhere past that we're toast you understand what i'm saying that would be in my mind how do we how do we get this this right hand in the land how do we detonate this bomb that's it <clears throat> that should be his focus yeah, like I say, it's a brilliant, brilliant evening of boxing, especially in the UK. There's free events that you can watch on, on you know, on TV slash uh, tablet or whatever for the zone. Free events in one night. It's going to be a busy, busy Saturday for everyone that's going to be watching all three, like I will be. But um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant card. The the Wilder uh, Fury fight. I mean, gosh, it's one of those ones which my heart will be pumping out my chest, man. I get so excited for these kinds of fights. I remember the first one like it was yesterday, the second one uh, like it was the day up, the day before, the day after, and this one's going to be another one. I'm sure that's going to you know live long in the memory. And hopefully, whatever happens, hopefully we don't see a full fight. We don't need to see a full fight. No one cares about yeah. it. I just want Fury to get in there, knock him out, get out of there, and never ever talk about Fury Wilder. Uh, the full yeah. fight. <laughs> That's what we all want to see. How about this, Joe? We saw him get dominated Wilder in two fights. Mm -hmm. In two fights. Regardless of what the scorecard said in the first fight, we already know what happened in it. We're just going to say two fights, right? And we still are falling in for the hype for the third fight. Not necessarily me, but there is nerves there. But my nerves There's are only because nerves, I know man. how tight. But, I, but I, my only reason is because of Tyson. It's not because of what Wilder can do and all of that as much as it is Tyson. Because I know how Tyson can be. He can be like, man, I'm, man, this dude ain't shit. I'm going to go in here. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And then it's just like he'll get excited in there and start having too much fun. And that's what I don't want to happen. You know what I mean? Just go in there and handle business, man, and, and get that shit over with. Even if you, man, if you can swim without getting wet for 12 rounds, do it. 
that's how I look at it. Yeah, I've just I've just got a feeling that this fight a hundred percent doesn't go the distance. That's that's what I think. I mean, obviously I the first one so. did, the second one didn't, but this one here, I'm more sure than than um, than than ever in any of these fights that it doesn't go the distance. And I say that because obviously the first one we saw uh, Fury do what you said. I mean, he almost swum without getting wet for twelve rounds. He did get wet in the end, of course, but you know, we we saw we saw him do that. Then the second one, he said he's going to just come for him and just, you know, steamroll him, and he did. I mean, that they're really the two kinds of ways you can fight. You can either kind of be like, uh, I don't want to say defensive and, and offensive, but you can, you, you know, you can be, you can try and bomb someone out, or you can try and box, you know, uh, smartly, cleverly. And he did that both, he's done that. I mean, th- there's not a third way to go about things, is there? <laughs> That's a good question, Joe. <laughs> if there is, I want to see that next. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but no, it's yeah. um, yeah, it's a great, great fight, and I do get nervous about um about Fury. Obviously, I'm a I'm a massive, massive, massive Fury fan. Always have been from from the very first time I seen him fight. I mean, gosh, like it, I don't know him personally. Obviously, you do, but he's he's a guy that I I get nervous see him fight. Um, and just because it's wilder and you know that he can be losing 11 rounds and 2 minutes yep. 50 of, of, of the 12th round, he can still knock you out. That's why it's such a dangerous fight. But anyways, we have spoke about it enough there. It's going to be unbelievable. If you're listening to me now and you're not going to watch the fight, I don't know what to say. This is what boxing is all about. If you're a fan, you have to watch it. Oh my gosh. It's going to probably be on around 5 in the morning UK time. I will be awake with uh, with a few energy drinks around me. I will not miss this one live. But anyway, that is it, though, for the preview part. In part one, we did the reviewing. We welcomed our special guest, Callum Smith, former WBA super middleweight world champion. And in part two, we did the news and the previewing. I've just wrapped it up there. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 312 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest, the former WBA super middleweight world champion, Callum Smith. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Remember, if you do have a spare two minutes, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really means a lot to us. And if you want to improve your below-the-waist hygiene for a cheap price, visit Manscaped escaped.com and remember to use the promo code boxhard for 20% off plus free shipping but that's about everything from myself enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week